This is USA Takedown, the best guests, all the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA with your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It is USA Takedown from the Wild Rose Casino Studios, our Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline guest today. In the studio, we're welcoming back Eli Alger. Eli, hey, good morning. How nice are you? Nice to be here. It's, it's not often I get to see you without a cowboy hat. That's true. All right. Not so many do, actually. You're going to be uh, guest hosting today. That's cool. Mark Cody's going to join us. We're going to talk about women's wrestling and why the University of Iowa has taken a leadership role in the edition of women's wrestling. Okay? Awesome. Uh, Ron Wasaba is going to be joining us out of Humboldt, Iowa. Ron, longtime uh, high school coach, but um, legitimately has had his own Gable effect. That's that ripple effect where uh, Gable's assistant coaches become great coaches around the country. Well, Ron had that same experience with a guy named Kevin Dresser, with a guy named uh, uh, Purdue's head coach. Okay. Uh, who am I thinking of? <laughs> anyway, uh, they're going to have a Division One wrestling in the high school gym, okay, uh, in in Humboldt, Iowa this year, and it'll be a fundraising event. But nonetheless, it'll be two uh, first time a Division One or two Division One programs have scrapped in that gym ever. So we'll talk with Ron about that. Zach Bogle is going to be joining us. He did a wonderful rant on why wrestling is better today because of Jordan Burroughs. Zach Bogle at home, uh, suffering from the COVID and, uh, we'll talk with him and pray for him as well. Mark, uh, Manning was scheduled to be on this show. He'll be joined. He'll be joining the program next week. We'll talk with PFL star Taylor, uh, Gardado. I love that name. Taylor Gardado. Uh, she's uh, training at the extreme couture gym in Las Vegas. Of course, we're very close with Randy couture and, uh, Taylor is going to be set uh, or is set to fight for, I think it's a million bucks. Wow. Yeah. She's going to be fighting on the next PFL, uh, 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 main event. Catherine Grace Bertrand of Presbyterian is going to be joining us her and her twin brother. You see this, this, this running theme in wrestling is all about twins. I don't understand it. I don't get it, but I really like it. You know, you've got the Steiner brothers, you've got the brands brothers, you've got, uh, Catherine Grace and her brother, all at uh, Presbyterian. So a lot Makes of you wonder stuff. when a set of triplets is going to come out. Oh my gosh. I, they actually have, we actually have had triplets in the sport of wrestling. I think it's wonderful. Anyway, uh, Kara Jones producing the program today. We're on the air nine to 11 AM central standard time. This is Des Moines sports leader on one Oh two one FM and 1350 ESPN. And by the way, now also on iTunes, Stitcher and the iHeart app, you can look for our programs immediately following the airing on usatakedown.com hit that drop down tab uh for podcasts and this program brought to you in part by our friends at barbarian apparel all right let's go to our first guest eli are you ready i am this guy is a friend of your dad's a lot of respect for your dad he thinks your dad's very funny and a great singer i know what's all right yeah yeah he's okay (laughs) mark cody joins us from presbyterian he's the uh business director and operational man plus the head coach of the men's program. Mark Cody, good morning. How are you, Coach? Hi, Scott. Hi, Eli. How are you? Hey, Mark. How are you doing? <laughs> great. Great. Your dad and I go actually way back. I, I met you 
years ago, and I think you're probably two years old, we were sitting in... Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it was yesterday, as a matter of fact. Yeah, exactly. You were, we were sitting I was the same size, too. Yeah. <laughs> you were running around the living room, and we were watching uh, one of the Naked Gun movies, which your dad was really fond of. And he, he, he was explaining to me how creative these movies are, and they're the greatest movies of all time. She can melt a cheese sandwich from across the room. She She reminded me of my mother, all right. (laughs) Make a gun, two and a half, man. That's a good one. That's a good one. Mark Cody joins us. Mark, as the um, you you've been a purveyor of good things in terms of women's wrestling. Um, I'm sure you're probably pretty close to the story in terms of being friends with Mike Moyer. Uh, I love that guy. He's been a uh, hard at the wheel, as it were, uh, in terms of promoting women's wrestling. We have over well over 100 women's programs now. Uh, but we have the third women's program. You were the first, but the third women's program, the first Power 5 program in the University of Iowa, uh, adding women's wrestling. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I, I, I felt like... Uh it was coming pretty soon, you know, and, um, yeah, it's very exciting. I, you know, I, I had been following it, you know, the athletic director, I had talked about it a while back and, uh, I know they were, they were trying to hammer through a few things and, uh, it's, it's really exciting for the sport. You know, I think, I think now you may see this snowball, you know, now that Iowa stepped up and, and decided to do it. And, and, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot of, um, it takes a visionary to be able to do something like that. And, and uh, the, the rate of growth with women's wrestling is incredible. Yeah. So, uh, in order to, to, to keep up with that and give, give women opportunities to, to go out and be able to compete at the college level, it, it's wonderful. There was an article I read on LinkedIn, and it was uh, from a coach uh, who once upon a time said, there's never going to be women on my mat. Okay? Sure. So it was exclusive. It was inclusive in that he was trying to protect his men. Well, that same guy had an almost uh, 100% female team at the high school level, that one state in California. Think about that. Now, wow. if, if they're wow. that good then, this is probably 25 years ago. So he had a change of heart is what you're saying. Oh, big time, big time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it, it, I recall conversations I had. Uh, who was the uh, sacred, not sacred heart, but Rutgers head coach, John Saatchi. I remember having the same conversation with John Saatchi, not in my room, not in my watch. There's mm-hmm. going to be no mm-hmm. women's wrestling. In but, fact, my, my argument for that Mark was that when we have a women's program, the men's program is in less danger of getting cut. We missed it by yeah. about 20 years. My, my yeah. estimation. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think you're absolutely right. And that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, after talking to administration here, not that I was worried that it was ever going to get cut, but that's the fact that they were uh, ready to step up and start the first Division One women's program. You know, I was all in. That's that's a big reason I took this job. Right. You know, just because I knew if they were supporting women's wrestling, they were sure they're going to support, uh, you know, both programs going forward. So, and it's really helped out. It, it's just worked out great, um, you know, to, to wrestle you know, we, we don't, you know, at one point we, well, last year, of course, we both had a one month season. So we all you know, practiced at the same time. And I was running both programs because uh, coach Danda had moved on to, um, to Northern Michigan. That's right. So yeah, which was quite an undertaking, but at the same time, I, 
you know, now, you know, I, I have a, uh, a couple other coaches on staff and it's worked out really good for us to be able to, um, you know, to, to, you know, to move forward with, with, with what's going on here. It's just, it's just really great. And, and we've, you know, had a, a degree of success. And I think it's brought a lot of notoriety to the university too. Um, as far as, uh, what, what, you know, what they've done here, stepping up with the women's program. I think the difference, Mark, from December of 2017, when you were hired, right? Uh, yeah. fresh, fresh off a, a, what we would call a lifetime, uh, appointment at university of Oklahoma, the difference you made at American university, the difference you made at Nebraska. We think about your time in the sport. Wrestling is really a completely different sport. It's hard for me to even admit that, but it is. Wouldn't you say that's true? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's, uh, you know, and, and, and for people that, you know, people that have come to watch us here, they've really enjoyed it. You know, a lot of the new fans. And, and I think that, uh, that, you know, I, I get, a, and, and we live right here in town. So we get to meet a lot of people to help promote the program too. Right. So, um, but you know, we're generating a lot of new fans here, not only in, in um, you know, in, in Clinton, South Carolina, but all over the state and to have two division one programs here. It's very exciting. Mm. We're talking with Mark Cody. He's the head coach Presbyterian and largely one of the great, uh, uh, drivers of our sport in terms of popularity, in terms of competitiveness. And I can't, uh, I can't thank him enough. Not only for me, I remember a time when this show was on from 10 to midnight mm. and Mark came over from the university of Nebraska and he had this girl with him. Mm. And I said, uh, to Mark, I said, well, you know, tell me a little bit about her. She'd gone to the bathroom, at, uh, and, and we were in commercial break and, uh, Mark, told me about her. I said, dude, you got to marry this girl. Guess what? They married and they, what is it? Four boys now to count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the best advice you ever gave me. Scott. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I did pretty good that time. Locked it down the next <laughs> day. Lock it, lock it down. <laughs> I think it was after that show, we moved to the day, daytime <laughs> time yeah. slot. All right. So wrestling Presbyterian, obviously, uh, conference challenges, <clears throat> pardon me, conference challenges, and competition around the country, your job, getting that team to be seen, getting that respect, getting the sponsors behind it. What's your biggest challenge today? Uh, well, we're, we're trying to build a wrestling room. You know, we're trying to build a wrestling facility right now. We, we've bounced around a little bit in, in, uh, and rented out some different facilities to, to work out. in. you know, we, we work out the Presbyterian church right now, which is actually a beautiful facility. We have, um, you know, three mats in there and it's, we have a weight room right in there. And so it, it's probably, uh, along the lines of a lot of top level division one programs, which is nice, but we, we also are, again, we're fundraising and trying to, um, you know, trying to have a, 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 a standalone wrestling room for the men and the women. We have the land picked out. We have several donors that are stepping up to help out, but we're, you know, we're, we're, we're a little bit shy right now. It's a $3 million, $3.5 million project. Wow. So, and it keeps going up because we keep talking about, you know, we want to make this state of the art. We want to make it the biggest <laughs> facility in the South, it's a six mat wrestling facility. Wow. That, that's what the plans are. And so we're, you know, we're excited about that. You know, that, that's probably the biggest challenge right now. Okay. So fundraising and then of course, staying yep. in the arms race, that's really yeah. what it is. Okay. Yeah. And raising money, we're raising money for scholarships too. You know, we're, we're not quite fully funded. We're, we're at 3.8 on both sides. And, uh, so we're, we're also trying to raise money for scholarships and that that's, it's quite an undertaking. That's almost a full-time job. Uh, right there, just let alone, 
you know, just coaching and, but that's part of it, you know, sure. part of what she's doing. And, uh, and Holly gets that, you know, she's behind you a hundred percent, no matter how much you travel, she's always there as the welcome and beautiful smile, welcoming you home. I go back yeah. to the 2011 NCAA championships. American university at one point had been slated to drop wrestling and the uh-huh. Eagles program was really down on the dumps. You brought that program up to a program best fifth place finish at the 2011 NCAA championships. Uh, and, yeah. and, and you were largely regarded as one of the best coaches in the country. Then I think you still are to this day. Um, do you have some of the same challenges at a, at, at Presbyterian that you had at American? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, we're starting from scratch here too, you know, and, and American had dropped the program. That's right. For a year and then brought it back, you know, Mike Moyer and a guy named Alan Meltzer and Bob Karst, they all circled the wagons and, and, uh, came up with a strategic plan and brought to the president, brought that program back. So, you know, it, it is, I, I, I would say I have a lot of experience um, as far as building because you have to, you know, you have to convince the university that what you're, um, you know, that what you're trying to do here is, is what's best for the program. And sometimes, you know, that, that's quite a challenge. And, 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 you know, wrestling is a different sport. And so the biggest thing is to educate everybody and let, let them know what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. And, uh, but the challenge is here. I think, you know, the fact that they've never had a program, we don't have any real alumni to reach out to, uh, um, as far as, although a couple have, 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 have stepped in there. You know, I have a, a, a man who graduated from here and, and he's donated to us. And, uh, I reached out to him and said, what's your connection? He said, well, my son and daughter both wrestle in California and I'm just, tickled pink that they started a program there so uh it was it's just great you know people like that but but you know there, there, there's there's challenges every day you know as far as having a restroom get, getting people to to get on board that that's that's the biggest thing you know it's uh, again we are the first division one women's program that's right you know it's very important for this program uh to make it and that was a big responsibility too so um you no. got great support from your administration. I know you didn't initially at American, but what you did is you turned that program into a um, a jewel in the crown of American uh, at, at American. You turned that jewel into a crown, and it really was well respected. As a matter of fact, it was the third fully funded sport at American ever. And you think yeah. about that that that's I, I don't know how you got that done. I was there many times with you. Yeah, but, we start uh, off. We start off with two scholarships, and uh, it's very expensive to go to school there. And the financial aid packages were a little bit rough, so it was, uh, you know, that was that was quite an undertaking. But you know, the you know, I think the administration they came around pretty quickly because you know you drop a program, you think, okay, this is all this is off our plate, right? And then right. all of a sudden we back, and you know, um, they, they ended up being very supportive. It, it was a great. We ended up having a great relationship. Uh, with our administration. And, and I think the big thing was the professors and the teachers, because our kids did really well academically. That's one thing I'm more proud of than, you know, we, we're, we're also a top 20 team my last six years there, and we were there for eight years. So, you know, to be able to, to, to get it up and, and running. But the the administration was excited about the way the professors um, were were responding to our success, particularly in the classroom. You know, we were, my last five years, there were top two in the country academically. And that was very exciting. And Teague Moore kept that going, kept he did. It going all the way through. You he know? did. And, and, and when you left, the, the team had amassed a school record uh, 3.48 grade point average. 
Now, I knew people yeah. at the University of Iowa that had a 3.48 or a 3.5, right? I knew yeah. It wasn't me. I okay. wasn't one yeah. of them no. either. I was trending. The, the The score was trending down. C's Kira, get degrees yeah. from me. Yeah. Kerry, <laughs> yeah. does that surprise you at all? I mean, uh, no? Yeah. Okay. My producer's saying not at all. No comment. <laughs> oh, I, um, yeah, you'll get your check next, next week. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, Mark, uh, obviously there's there's some uh, programs out there ready to take that next step, adding women's wrestling. What are you hearing out there? Because a Power 5 school like Iowa, i got to believe Iowa State's in the running. i got to believe Oklahoma State, uh, Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State, even Illinois and Indiana. What are your thoughts about uh, the next program to drop? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure. I, I think I think Oklahoma State is talking about it. From what I'm hearing, uh, and and I heard the same as you. I heard that Iowa State is talking about starting program right. too. So, me too. Yeah, and yeah, I think it just, sometimes it just takes you know one person to step up. You know, one one administrator, one one president. You know, I, I think the biggest thing is getting to the university presidents and letting the, letting them know what uh, you know what this can do for women's athletics. Period. Let right. alone just women's wrestling. And and you should see. And, and again. You know, I coached the Gator Club years ago. That was back when Clarissa Chung and Sally Roberts was on the team, and, right. and, and just watching them, and they were they were very good. They were standouts, but then there were those two, and then there was kind of a it was a different level after you get to, well, all of a sudden, you know, the level that these girls are competing at and the skills that they have, it's, it's incredible. And it's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch women's freestyle wrestling because they they go at it. You, you bet. know, they're not there's no standing around. No. You know. It's, it's uh, you know they can be down five to nothing. Next thing you know, they're tossing some of their back and and uh, they're in, in a heck of a scrap. So it, it's really fun, especially for the casual fan that doesn't know anything about wrestling, to see a couple of people go out there and not really attack. You know, it, it it doesn't do much for building up your fan base, but but these women they really um, get out there and get after it right from the, the time the whistle blows. You know, it, it, it's a lot of fun to watch. Our guest is Mark Cody. Uh, Rulin Gardner, who captured the Olympic gold medal at the 2000 Sydney Olympic Games, uh, nobody saw that coming. But Mark Cody is the guy he credits with that win and that career. Uh, he's got a new gym opening up in uh, Colorado, I think it is. And uh, we're behind him 100%. Great friend in Rulin Gardner. Do not take him out to dinner and say whatever you want because he ordered the entire menu <laughs> yes and I, and I watched him eat it he was done eating everything by the time i got done with my entree <laughs> wow you know, it's a funny story about him he was really adamant about wanting to go freestyle and and we pushed very hard to get him to go greco and he had to we had to push and push and push and then finally so he he, he ends up going to the 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 pan am court, uh, trials out in Colorado springs he wins that in greco then he wins the um, the Pan Am Games and comes back and says, I still want to go freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> then, then he said, then he enters both styles, freestyle and Greco. And then, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is how it went. He, he, he placed in both styles, right? So he's he's just finishing, finishing a freestyle match, and they're both they're running both tournaments at the same time <laughs> at the National Open. Then he runs down and does a Greco match. But he, he placed higher in Greco, and that's what, what ultimately finally made the decision to, to go. I was just telling my, my team a story about that. I love that. I love that story. All right, coach, we're going to cut you loose, send you to the showers, but we've got one of your athletes on a little bit later. And, uh, yeah. I, I think it's terrific that you hired, uh, uh, Catherine grace 
she's oh, yeah. a wonderful girl, and I know we're going to have a great time talking with her at about 10.40 a.m. Central Standard Time. So I appreciate your time today, Mark, and the yeah. best to Holly and the boys, okay? Thank you. You're in for a treat with Catherine Grace. Yeah, start raking now, by the way. I've been to your house. You better, <laughs> you better yeah. start raking now. <laughs> oh, you're not kidding. I, I You know, Corey Olson's coming down. I don't know if you remember Corey Olson. Sure. Uh, he's a three-time All-American there, just a great friend. And, and he, he runs a tree service now, so he's coming down to look at some of these trees. Hopefully we can get rid of them in the next couple of days. <laughs> or actually coming down next week. So my chainsaws are ready. boy. All right. I'll talk to you soon, Mark. God bless you. Thank you so much. The Blue Holes uh, wrestling programs are in solid hands for sure. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Scott. Thanks, Eli. Say hello to your dad, Eli. Oh, I will. There we go. Okay. Eli Alger, by the way, in the studio, a uh, country music star. And, Stop. Uh, no, I know. It's, you know. I could say the same thing if Randy Travis was sitting there. I remember. Well, yeah, Randy my, Travis has earned it. Well, not at the time when we became friends with Randy Travis. You knew Randy? I, absolutely. I put my arm around him to get a picture taken, and it reached all the way to his belly button. That's how tiny the guy is. He's wow. very small. Very small. Real all right, more with Eli Alger in the studio. We've got uh, more great wrestling talk coming up. Stay tuned. You're listening to 1350. This is ESPN. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, that stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. You gotta love that. Oh, the, the oh man, the Night Riders in the Sky. Yeah, the Cash, Johnny Cash, one of the best there ever was. I made him breakfast once. How many country singers do you know? Um, did I know? Uh, and do I know? Um, I remember introducing Garth Brooks. He was a, a um, that's a the idol man. A, a replacement for. Um, uh, I think it was George Strait was ill for the Iowa State Fair, so the label sent Garth Brooks. And uh, I said, is they your, were both it, on Capitol. I think it was. And I and I said, so your first name, Garth, that's your real name? He says, yeah. I said, it's not your stage name. She said, no. His real yeah. name's Troyal, Troyal Garth Brooks. Garth and, is the middle name. And Garth is a, um, a huge fan of wrestling. Mm, uh, yeah, donates a lot of money to Oklahoma State. He's good friends with John Smith, I, very if I do good, recall. Yeah, very good friends. And uh, Garth was just terrific, but he had a black beard and a black hat, so he was kind of going down the same line you're going down right now, and I love that, but a uh, lot of the same qualities, by the way. Eli Alger in the studio you. today. Our next guest is the former Humboldt wrestling coach, uh, and he's going to be inducted in the National High School Wrestling Hall of Fame. That's important for a lot of reasons. First of all, the tenure that he enjoyed on the job, but the quality of athletes that he uh, put out there, including the head coach at uh, the Coast Guard, at Coast Guard and uh, uh, Iowa State, and uh, Tony Ursland down there at Purdue, uh, is uh, Ron Wasaba. 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 Ron, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Scott. Doing very well, thank you. You have the most unique name in wrestling circles, and and tell us the uh, the derivation of your name. What's the origination of your name? Uh, my name is Czechoslovakian, and at at the state tournament, 
it was Ron Wasoba, but it is, like you said the last time, Ron Wasaba. Yeah, Wasaba. And, uh, yep. It's kind of interesting that you talked about Garth Brooks because he's one of my favorites. And oh, he's one of the greatest. Here he's a wrestling fan. That's pretty exciting. Not only a wrestling fan, I think he did some time on the mat, realizing well, he wasn't as good great. as he wanted to be. But Maybe in high school or something. Yeah. I know he was a track star Yeah, back in, he threw the javelin or something like that back in the day. I remember at that. Oklahoma State. And it's always good to hear people that are part of our sport, like the all the presidents that have wrestled in the past. It's unbelievable. And, and uh, they're, they're some of the people I admire the most because everybody knows what it takes to be a wrestler. It shows in the mentality and the, the work ethic. I remember Absolutely. I, whatever path they choose, yeah. I remember meeting Donald Rumsfeld, okay, former Secretary of Defense. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he was uh, investigating the opportunity and the possibility of becoming a candidate for the presidency. Okay. That's right. And yeah, we, were, I remember that. we were at the old Hubble mansion in a room that had spotlights in the ceiling. It was a round room. And in the middle of this room was this Lalique crystal table. And, uh, he came in, I was standing there looking at him. I just love Lalique crystal. Lalique. Lalique. Spell yeah. that one. French. And no, I can't. And <laughs> I sold can it. I. But anyway, I said, I said, what do you think of this? And, uh, he says, my God, it's so pretty. He said, but mm. you, you wouldn't want to eat at it. I said, no, I don't think you would. But it's just absolutely good. It's about $75,000 for the table then. And I think it's probably a quarter of a million dollars now. Anyway, he decided not to run for president. And guess who was the wrestler? Donald Rumsfeld. You know, I remember up at the Midlands, he came over to me. He says, I understand you're looking for me. And I said, uh, Mr. Rumsfeld, he said, I would like to interview. I don't know that I'm looking for you, but I would love to have you on the show. And he's been on several times over the years, but Don Rumsfeld, as you mentioned, presidents, uh, industry leaders. If you think about it, Sharpie Pen, uh, the Sharpie Pen was uh, yep. uh, the CEO of Sharpie. I think the founder was a wrestler. Uh, Benny Hanna, the guy that owned Benny Hanna restaurants, was a wrestler. Uh, Milwaukee Tools. Yeah, the industries that are driven and driven well over the years are generally led by former wrestlers. And I just find that absolutely amazing. But it doesn't surprise me, does it you, Ron? No, not 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 with the drive that they have to have, like, to be a wrestler. And, and uh, you know, setting the goals and things like that would be a big business thing, too. So it doesn't surprise me, but it sure makes me excited to know that there's people out there that have been so successful and uh, gone down the same road that many of us have. You coached the Wildcat Wrestling Program, uh, especially, especially the varsity program, for about 22 years plus. Uh, your yep. total involvement in the sport spans over 40 years. Yeah. And, and the lives you've touched, the lives that have been touched by those you've coached, including Kevin Dresser and Tony Erslin. Talk a little bit about that because it's not everybody that can see greatness. Well, in your backyard was the greatness that was Frank Gotch. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the drive to recognize him over the last 15 to 20 years by Mike Chapman, yourself and others, um, has only resulted in us learning even more about him. And, but more, more than that, it, it's allowed us to understand a little bit more about Humboldt and Humboldt wrestling. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. We, uh, we emphasized, uh, chap, um, um, uh, get gotcha as he, uh, 
was part of our community, and we talk about him growing up here and becoming a world champion. And and uh, our our young wrestling program is called the Gotch Wrestling Program. Okay. In his honor. Of course, I was part of uh, the group that helped uh, build a statue in his name, and mm-hmm. it's absolutely beautiful. The number of people that come here to to see it is is amazing. You can't drive by it any time of the day and not see somebody admiring it and looking at all the the statistics that go with uh, our great wrestler, Frank Gotch. It's right on the river. Okay. It's absolutely. right on the river. It's in Bicknell park. It's just beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, to talk about Frank Gotch, you can, uh, when I, when we, another man that we honor in our community is Kevin Dresser. Mm. Uh, all the other wrestlers that I've coached kind of look up to Kevin because Kevin's the one that got it started for, for us and in, in, in my era, anyhow, because he was a, a two-time uh, state champion and uh, actually a four-time placer. And uh, he also, uh, you know, went on to become a national champion. And that was, that was phenomenal for us. And of course the, uh, we have had people that were all Americans before we had, uh, um, People that have finished in, uh, in uh, we had uh, Abens. Keith Abens was a runner-up, and he was a three-time state champion for us. We've not had a four-time state champion, but we've had several people that have placed uh, in the in the top four. Uh, we had Justin Hansen, who was a oh, yeah. four-time finalist but a two-time champion, who was also a national champion for uh, Wartburg College. What a great story so, Wartburg is, really. If you think about absolutely, it, absolutely, absolutely, they're a, they're a powerhouse. They're yeah. they're they're amazing. You know, they, that's a good thing that brings a good name to wrestling in Iowa as well. You know, you think about Joe's Joe Joe's Nighthawk uh, bar when they do uh, uh, that night of wrestling, and they have the coaches up on stage, and uh, the coaches really let their hair down. Uh, whatever hair they have left, but it's so it's so much fun. <laughs> Where's that one at? Nighthawk. That's in. Uh, uh, is it Waverly? I think it's in Waverly. Yeah. I'll have to see if they do country music down there. Uh, you know what? It's it's a wonderful bar, but uh, that guy gets wrestling in a big way, and it's, a lot of that has to do with the relationships that are formed by the head coach of the program or those that are in the program, uh, and and that one I think is is consistent with that. Uh, in that um, you think about what Millboy did at Wartburg and what he now continues to do in his salutation of the and saluting of the sport of wrestling through his work at the Dan Gable National Wrestling Institute and Museum in, in Waterloo. You know, by the way, yep. it's Gable's 72nd birthday. Oh, my goodness. When did he win his gold medal? Man, I couldn't tell 1972. You. So it's 72 for 72. Not 30 oh, for 30. ESPN right. sells that, that story short. 72 it's 72 for 72. For 72. Yeah. That, 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 that's our Frank Gotcha of <laughs> modern day, Dan Gable. There isn't anybody that, when you're talk, giving a conversation about wrestling, Dan Gable is always bought up. And, and I was lucky to get to know him pretty well because we had uh, several recruits go to Iowa. And Tony Ersland was one of them. Right. And uh, Ersland and Dresser. You talk about quality guys right. that gave everything to the sport, and now it's part of their lives and will continue to be. But they are they're, uh, heroes and humble, let me tell you, among mm-hmm. the many. Um, Aaron Alry also wrestled for, uh, for uh, 
for uh, Gable as well. And uh, those guys all were all Americans. And, and, uh, but the best thing about it was for the wrestling program was they came back in the summers and had clinics for our kids and pretty much taught us all of Gable's stuff. And, and, you know, I didn't even waste my time going to other clinics because I knew I had, <laughs> I had the best in the world. With, with Those three guys were spread out enough. And also Jamie Hyatt went there, who was a very successful All-American for Iowa, too. And, and he's, the, he's the lead. He's already the winningest coach in Minnesota, and he's only been coaching for about uh, 15 years. Oh, so that's, cow. He's, he's amazing. They're, they're, he's doing a great job at Minnesota, but... All of it goes back to Dan Gable, and and uh, you know the thing that Gable and I have spent hours we've been we've spent hours talking about Gotch because he was his hero, and uh, it, it just ties us all together, and it's been a it's been a great uh, uh, combination of, of uh, people that have loved the sport of wrestling, and, and uh, nothing better than keeping it going by having good conversations about it and learning more and more about it from Gotch to Gable. A great Gotch book by Gable, Michael. Yeah, yeah. great think, book. Yeah, by a great author. And he was what thirty-two. Gotch was thirty-two when he died. Is that right? I couldn't tell you. I think it yeah, is. Yeah, I think he, he was around that age. He was in his early thirties. That's yeah, yeah. He died of a kid a kidney disease. I guess. Yeah, so. I guess a shot of penicillin would have saved his life. Wow. Think about yeah, that. isn't that crazy? Yeah, how, that's true. How, power, how how powerful he was. Oh my goodness. But his tactics and as a technician, the dude understand back then you could wrestle for an hour or two or more, uh, in front of 40,000 fans at Comiskey Park, for example, <laughs> Think about that. these people yeah. are dressed in suits and ties and bowler hats and they're watching wrestling at a baseball yeah. field. Wow. It just, makes me, it just makes me smile thinking about that and, and how, uh, he put Humboldt on the map and uh, Humboldt's going to stay on the map because of uh, Frank Gotch, he's mm. just, it just, uh, there's no, no one like him. He's just amazing. Coach, what was it like when you learned that, um, uh, by a jury of your peers, you were to, and, uh, you are, uh, going to be receiving a uh, recognition as you are inducted into the national high school wrestling hall of fame. What was that like for you? Well, actually very exciting, of course, mm -hmm. and, uh, incredible, but more than that, it was kind of unbelievable because, you know, I, I, in the, in, I knew that a committee had gone together and sent some stuff in, and but you know I just thought my chances of getting it were were not not that not that big. But to get it is just incredible. It's just uh, it's it's the highlight of my career. You know, it's nothing better than that. Well, so, and again, it is a jury of your peers. October thirtieth here in Des Moines, it'll be the uh, coaches' convention. I've done the show there live many times. Uh, yeah. And I remember Dan McCool is the one that introduced me to, um, to that event and doing that show is a traditional honor for us. I'm, I'm not sure where we are on that date. I think I'm doing a fight in Jefferson, but, uh, um, I, well, I, I may miss your induction, but nonetheless, we wanted to recognize you on the show because it's, it's guys like you that have created so much, uh, my cousin, John Casper out in Oregon has done, you know, your role, uh, out there on the West coast, but it's, it's, it's guys like you, um, that truly are the driving force for the excellence that we seek in the sport and not just for those you coach, but by the families that are 
absolutely changed because of what you are teaching. And it's, it's more than just coaching the kids. It's coaching the families. It's coaching the community. It's coaching the school. And it's bringing out the level best in so many. And, and many come into it questioning their involvement. They wonder why they're involved in the sport and why do they want to continue in the sport. But I, I understand why I would want to be coached by Ron Okay, by you, Ron. Uh, <laughs> I, you. I truly do. Thank you for the compliment. You, you, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you. I've you, been here for forty-five years, and I've been a part of wrestling. Now I'm the. Uh, I, I just got out of uh, um, uh, um, middle school wrestling uh, a couple years ago, so I've been in it for uh, uh, about forty-five years here in Humboldt, and and it, and I'm going to continue because I'm going to be part of the. Uh, I've, I've been announcing the uh, varsity wrestling team on the duels in the, our tournament ever since I retired from varsity. So I've been doing that over 25 years, and I'll continue to do that because I can't get myself away <laughs> from the love of wrestling. And, and when you speak of wrestling family, yeah, uh, the things that I'm getting for emails now and the recognition and stuff, I see the word family a lot mm-hmm. about what a wrestling family we have. And, and that, that's what made it so joyous. My, my family, my wife was so involved. I don't know many wrestling coaches that had a wife that, uh, you know, filmed all the matches and, and was, and cooked all the breakfasts mm. after they make weight. We had breakfast at my house, which nice. was only two blocks from the high school. <laughs> And uh, it, it was a tradition that the uh, my wife and one of one other uh, parent would show up each time. They'd rotate, and uh, and the cheerleaders would cook all the toast and serve the wrestlers. They had to stay seated so that they would bring it to them. So they're, you know, what it, so it had some organization to it. Otherwise, it would have been. You got a bunch yeah. of hyenas in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fellas, we're up against the clock, but Ron, congratulations on the coming induction. Uh, well-deserved, my friend. And again, a jury of your peers has elected you to that position at the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Nice job out of you. And I'm looking forward to what the next chapter in your life brings because I'm a huge fan myself. Well, thank you, Scott. And thank you for having me on your program. And uh, you talk about people that do stuff for wrestling. You two guys are the epitome of what can be done for wrestling right now. And it's always fun to listen to you guys and and uh, see how many of the things we all we we, we know and can, can uh, you know relate to and everything you talked to, to about today was things that were I was relating to and had a big smile on my face. So, yeah, we did all that stuff. So <laughs> it's it's great to hear from you guys and, and I'm just honored to be on your show. God bless you, Ron. Thank you so much for all you've done, all you've given, and uh, the family that you brought to the sport and the sport is much better, much stronger for your, uh, having been involved. Outstanding story. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. And continue with everything you do for wrestling. God bless you. There he goes. Ron was, he's, uh, the former Humboldt wrestling coach going to be inducted in the national high school, national high school wrestling hall of fame, not just state. No national. Wow. That's big time right there. Big deal. Think how many high school coaches are out there. And he gets the singular honor of being that guy. Thousands? Yeah. Gotta be. It, gotta be. Maybe even more than that, I would suggest. Tens of thousands. Uh, Eli yeah. Alger in the studio. Why is Jordan Burroughs good for our sport? We're going to talk about that 
and um, and more with Zach Bogle of Stalemates. He's joining us next on the show. This is 1350 ESPN Radio. Stay tuned. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Two-time world champion Terry Brand said, we use it in our showers and in our room. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. All right, welcome back to the show. It is official, by the way. Whoop. Put your headphones up. I got them. Who's that? Is that Miranda? All right. Very good. Thank Very you. Very good. I got a good ear for that kind of stuff. Country star Eli Alger. Yeah, he's got to stop saying that. You're going to jinx it, man. No, no, there's no jinxing. If I say it enough, it becomes true. Speak it into existence type deal? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I could get on board with that. All right, we'll go with country star. I was I'll take selling. It. I was selling Zach Bogle. Okay, yeah. on, on the sport of wrestling. Little did I know what he had in mind. He's he doesn't share with me all his secrets. He really doesn't. And you know, I, I don't blame him. <laughs> but <laughs> wouldn't he, be a secret anymore. He would came it? up with something called Stalemates, and I didn't understand what it was. Then it was a YouTube channel, and he uh-huh. was looking for his first thousand friends that liked the subscribers and stuff right. yeah but then he came up with a live event and it was almost all done by the time i learned about it and then they had it at forte downtown des moines a sold out gig and as as, as it should have um the hardest part for a promoter having been one myself in wrestling mixed martial arts boxing etc the hardest part is to be the matchmaker i'm not sure who does this matchmaking but you know what whoever it is is doing a remarkable job. He joins us now to Zach Bogle. Zach, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Scott. How you doing? Good, man. Are you feeling better? Uh, yeah, I can smell a little bit more now, oh, but I'm still, I'm still at the house uh, just relaxing. It's sad when the, the wife prepares dinner and to make an impact on your sense of smell, she has to burn everything. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. How long yeah, you been well, down and out? Um, I've been down about a week. Probably the, um, I was more so sick last week. This week's just kind of, uh, the smell and the taste. So, man, I tell um, you what, I got that stuff last winter and I, it was coming up on new year's Eve weekend, which is huge for making money in music. You know what I mean? And it yep. was the Monday and I had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday shows that I couldn't miss out on. And I would go and sleep for six hours and get up and make myself go chop wood to sweat it out Love for that. 15 minutes. Let me, let me ask you on a repeat. question. Where are yeah. you October 29th? Where are you? Are you in um, No, not you, Zach. I'm talking with Eli here. I think I'm okay. Jamaica, actually. <laughs> you think you're going to be here? No, I don't think I will be. Why? What's up? Well, I was thinking that you should sing the national anthem at Zach's next stalemate street league event coming oh, up on man. the Iowa State Fairgrounds. Um, love that. that, that would be awesome. I'm pretty sure I'm going to, I've got a long time planned, uh, trip to Jamaica though. I don't think I can get yeah, out of it. I'd probably be in Jamaica. Jamaica sounds a lot nicer. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I could sing it from Jamaica. <laughs> Maybe. No Zoom, you never know. I'll oh. probably be half drunk. But... Zach, Zach, you recently came out with a wonderful rant. It is tr- traditionally called a rant and, uh, on why Jordan Burroughs is good for our sport. Recently Burroughs became what a six-time gold medalist? Yeah, he was. Uh, he got a sixth uh, world Olympic gold medal this uh, past week. So, um, yeah, I'm just a huge Jordan Burroughs fan. Me too. Uh, obviously, I like uh, I like everybody else on Team USA as well. But uh, as far as the sport goes, and you know, really, uh, 
keeping our name, keeping the sport of wrestling relevant amongst the other mainstream media that maybe doesn't know who Kyle Dake is or who David Taylor is. Uh, having someone like Jordan Burroughs still in it, still in the hunt, still at the top of his game is huge. Uh, you look at sports like, like golf and you got Tiger Woods. Uh, look at the numbers from when Tiger Woods is the champ and when he's not. The, the Masters ratings just nearly are, are not the same. No, uh, not. Tiger Woods is, if he's in, the, if he's playing in the Masters, the ratings are good. If he's, if he's done and, and he's not doing it at the time or that current year, the, the ratings fall. So I look at Jordan Burroughs like the same. If, if he's the champ, uh, you know, there's all reasons for him to, to go on those late night shows. And he's, you know, he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast where, you know, some of the other wrestlers haven't done the same. So, um, Jordan's a good ambassador for our sport. So anytime we can get him in front of a mic, it's, it's good business. Zach Bogar guest and, and Zach, you've got a, uh, a folk style event coming up at stalemate street league two. Um, Correct. what, what were your takeaways from street league one aside from, you inviting and and he accepted. Joshua Sasfi was in town, was in the studio co-hosting this very show. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's wonderful that people are drawn to your events, drawn to you, drawn to you and your partner. Uh, but what was your uh, biggest takeaway from that first live event? Um, you know, we had to learn everything for the first time. So last the last one was a lot more stressful because we had to have so many different meetings just to talk about how to plan it now we know how to do all of that so now we can just get right to it this time and uh um the matchmaking honestly was probably the toughest you're going back and forth between everybody and if you say something in passing to one wrestler he took it as you know word is bond type of thing and then you gotta go back and be like hey I, you know like it's just so much back and forth and and uh we don't really have weight classes so what we normally do is we just take one guy and then we take the other guy we say what do you want to weigh what do you want to weigh okay let's do it well, then, you know, there's a lot of time between that conversation and the actual match. Right. And one of the guys is like, you know, maybe I, maybe one of them doesn't want to get down the weight as much. So he hits you up saying, hey, go ask me if, if we can do 170 instead of 165. And then you see where I'm going with this, you know, just, just learning how to match make and learning, you know, how to deal with people and everything like that. But it's really a lot of fun. This one, I feel weird because I'm not, I'm not even a tenth as nervous. Uh, and it's a much bigger show. It's a much bigger deal this time. So I think just getting comfortable with it, you know. Now, the Elwell Family Center at the Iowa State Fairgrounds is a step up in terms of capacity, uh, yep. also a step up in terms of pricing. That's okay. well, you, know, well, you, you, you know what they say about the Elwell Family Center, right? What? They say it's the best venue for wrestling. They put it up there with Carver Hawkeye and Gallagher, Gallagher Iber Arena. And, you know, they, they say that this building at the State Fair is one of the best venues for wrestling. That's just what people are telling me. I don't know. Well, you know what? You're going to prove it out, and that, yeah. that's the big deal. You and your partner. You're supposed to laugh. That's sarcasm. By at, the at, <laughs> I don't want to be there sarcastic. You Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Unlike uh, every other day of my life. Yep. But um, there you go. Our guest Zach Bogle, a stalemates uh, event coming up on the 29th of the month, and uh, I will actually be in Jefferson, so you won't have me to kick around that night. There you go. Hey, we have, we put you front, we put you front and center. Last you did, time. baby. I think you were, you were, you were right there by uh, Derek St. John and Allie yeah. Reagan and everybody else that was uh, in the VIP area. You know, so many wrestling fans turn out and tune in and they can do it on your Patreon channel, right? Yeah. Yep. All you gotta do is be a member of our Patreon this month. So if you're a member for, for, uh, for Stanley Chile too, you want to watch, uh, you just go to our patreon.com slash stalemates. And you can subscribe for $3.99, just like Netflix or ESPN Plus or anything like that. 
you can subscribe, watch it, and then you can bounce afterwards, or you can stay. Uh, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a lot more events going on and stuff like that. So uh, just another subscription for people to follow. But I will say, <laughs> I believe we're, we're the cheapest in the industry. So three dollars and ninety nine cents. <laughs> I don't That's know. Bad. You spend more going to Casey's to come and go. You know, <laughs> buying coffee and donuts than, than this Patreon. So what do you I saying? think the yeah, I think the guys deserve it. You know. <laughs> Zach Bogart, guest, not just a uh, wrestling wrestling aficionado, but he's also a big fan of the sport. There's, oh yeah, you can be an aficionado and not be a fan of what you do. Really, you can be, but Zach is both. He's a huge fan of the sport. One of the guys, Mikey England, is uh, is was on the first card. I did not realize Mikey is also a fireman. Oh, yes, wow. yes, yes. So, so he, he's a fireman down in Kansas City. Um, he also fights MMA down there. Uh, he got that blueprint from Stipe Miocic. I know, I think, I think, you know who that is. You bet. You bet I do. So Mikey was kind of training and, uh, you know, he, he wanted to be a fighter after his career at Missouri. And, um, he's just, you know, he actually entered the mortgage industry, I believe at first and he'd show up every day with black eyes. And I think he realized (laughs) that, you know, that's probably not going to work. So he, he went back to the drawing board and uh, stole Steve Amiocha's plan because he's a, he was the champ in the UFC at the time. And uh, he said, you know, he's, he's a firefighter. You get to train. You get certain days off, certain days on. So um, it's working for him. He actually fights tonight on UFC Fight Pass. If anyone's listening, you want to check him out. I'm a huge fan of Mikey. But when he came out in his firefighter gear, okay, and it oh, had yeah. the name on the back, you know, England yep. on the back, I was thinking, who in... I, I didn't know he was a firefighter. I really didn't. Yep. And, yep. and and you What brought, was his walkout song? Well, it should have been the fireman. It was, it was Call fireman, me the fireman. By Wayne. Yeah. I'm fireman the fireman. Wayne. Different, different different version of that, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, uh, that's what fighting and wrestling have in common. The uh, the great ability to be versatile, to stretch beyond your wildest imagination. And I asked Randy Couture right after the fight, I said, what was your favorite walkout song? And he said, anyone that was playing before I hit the ring. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, what? these guys are artists, you know, they're mixed martial artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at wrestling, it's a form of mixed martial arts. So, right. um, you know, they're showmen and, and this is what Stanley Street League is all about. When we look at wrestling, a lot of times it's so much about, you know, putting your ego aside, not really celebrating, not doing you know, not really putting yourself in the limelight nearly as much. It's more about what you do between the whistle. Uh, Street League is about the opposite of that. We're, we're here to put on a show. So uh, we told the guys, get as crazy as you want with the walkouts. As long as it's legal, we'll do it. And uh, Mikey Mikey knew exactly <laughs> what we were going for. And I tell you what. It's Mikey part of the show, man. Match, that's correct. Mikey and his match with Jimmy Schuessler, that was not a main event last time. And after that was done, we said, all right, Mike, I, Mike, Mikey's my cousin. I was like, Mikey, I need you again, man. That was awesome. So <laughs> I told him, I was like, we'll pay you the big bucks this time. We'll make you a main event. And uh, he said, I'm in. So as long as he doesn't get hurt tonight, knock on wood, he'll be there October 29th. He's going to wrestle Gerald Harris, who's uh, no no uh, stranger to the limelight as well. Gerald was on uh, the Ultimate Fighter Season 7, I believe. And he, fought in the U- he fought in the UFC for a while. So uh, that's a big match. That's a big one for us. All right, so clue us in. You've got uh, former Bellator fighters or active fighters, anyway. Either yep. uh, UFC fighters, average Joes, uh, tremendous collegiate athletes, and social media influence influencers. Do you know what yeah. that is, Kira? Do you know what that a social media influencer is? I didn't realize there was something to aspire to. 
An influencer is like somebody who's acquired a ton of followers, active followers, people who are actually interacting with their stuff. So when they post something like tons of people see it and actually react to it. It can move the needle in other words. And and you have one of those uh, on the card. Who is it? Yeah, his name's Jarrett Stodd. So Jarrett is actually originally from Iowa. He lives in Los Angeles now. And uh, he's got seven and a half million TikTok followers and he's got, you know, hundreds of thousands of YouTube subscribers. And uh, he was actually at our last one. He walked in and I just thought he was just another customer. Uh, I have a 14 year old cousin and uh, he's a 14 year old girl. She's in eighth grade. He walked in and, he, and she starts saying, oh, my God, that's uh that's a TikToker right there. And I'm uh, said, what, you know, and I just, <laughs> what? And I figured it out finally. And then after it's a the crazy was world over, we live in now with these TikTokers, man, I tell <laughs> you what, I mean, she, you would have thought it was Michael Jackson walking to the door. And we, and after the event was over, uh, I messaged him. I told him, thanks for coming out. And then I said, did you wrestle? And he said, yeah, I wrestled for 12 years. So wow. my next question was, we wrestle on the next event. And I tell you what, he's, People making fun of him for being a TikTok influencer and this and that, but it was it was so easy to work with him because he didn't care who it was. I said it's the Bell Tour and Mayfire. He said, "Done, cool, let's do it." Didn't really we didn't really negotiate too hard. It was it was pretty easy to get done, and so he's going to be wrestling a Bellator MMA fighter. So uh, Ian Butler is a tough dude and uh, a TikTok influencer guy, whatever you want to call him. He's going to be you know it's going he's going to have his hands full. And we go back to Jordan Burroughs. He is an influencer in his own right as well. Many people follow him on all platforms, but um, he's about inspiring people. I think that's one of the best things you can say about Jordan Burroughs. JB is about inspiring people to be better than they even thought they could be. And, uh, you know, I I sent him a nice text upon his win in Oslo, and uh, he got right back to me. You know, if you recall, when we restarted this program on ESPN, uh, Jordan Burroughs was on that very first show. and Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. He's always been in our corner. He said, do you remember the first time you interviewed me? I said, I think it was at the Harold Nichols uh, event in Ames, and he was a young stud wrestling for Nebraska. I said, is that right? He goes, that's exactly right. I said, how can I remember? You know, one of the things I said to him, I said, your voice sounds like somebody that's easily twice as old as you are, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and Jordan never forgot that. And to think about all that he's done since, you know, that's remarkable. I've never thought about that. He, yeah. yeah, you're right. He, he has a wonderful the head voice. Right there. Great vocal pattern. And uh, as, as does Zach Bogle, by the mm-hmm. way, I think he's wonderful. Zach no. Bogle, um, we want to remind people that tickets are 25 bucks for this event. It'll be held on the 29th of October at the Elwell Family Center on the grounds of the Iowa State Fair. That's pretty honorable indeed. Doors open at 6, first match beginning at 7 o'clock. If you'd like more information, um, we invite you to contact them at stalematesshow at gmail.com for more information. And the card continues to grow. Uh, I'm I'm so grateful that you have uh, 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 Becca on on the card. Uh, What an exciting thing she's doing is being prepared, getting prepared, uh, Becca Roper getting prepared to appear on that card in her very first wrestling match of all time. I think that's, that's great. Cool. Zach, yep. do you have a thing like on Facebook that people can go fi- buy tickets and stuff like that as well? Yeah, you can go to our Facebook page. Uh, it's also Stalemate Show. Check us out on Twitter at Stalemate Show. 
um, YouTube, Stalemate Show. Just go check us out. There's a uh, link on there to buy tickets. And uh, I believe we, well, we originally sold out a VIP. I think we have, we end up having a little bit more room than we thought. So we still have two VIP tables left. Other than that, the rest of it's sold out, but you can buy general admission tickets. Um, if you want to watch from home, patreon.com slash stalemates, $3.99. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the search bar of your choice. That's it. You can go find it. No excuses now. We might be, we might be on Bing and we might be on MySpace we, or on TikTok. Why not? Well, you MySpace. Who was the last time was anybody was on MySpace? You're a TikToker, Zach Bogle. Yeah, thank you, brother. You I'm know. so proud of you and what you've accomplished and all that you have yet to do. I'm so proud. Keep it real, Zach. I'm sorry I can't make it for that uh, national anthem. Maybe we we'll get it next time. <laughs> hey, you have fun in Jamaica and Scott. It's always good to hear from you. Thanks, Thanks brother. Try. Best to you, your partner, your family, and of course everybody uh, that is under that uh, umbrella of the uh, Peterson uh, Paramount Barber Barbering Company in Des Moines inside. Thank you, bud. Take care. There we go. Zach Bogle, one of my favorite people on planet Earth. He really, truly is. He's just so down to earth and so well-loved by his family. They just love this kid. And you know what? I do too. That was my All first right. time meeting him. So we're going like to head to the guy. top of the hour. Eli Alger stays for the second hour, having a good time with us here. And I hope you are as well. You're listening to USA Takedown only on Iowa Sports Leader. This is ESPN Radio. Think you heard everything? Stick around. You ain't heard nothing yet. More USA Takedown after this. I bought two bottles of Jose. Hey, they were having a sale. And we swung through the drive through Yokiero Taco Bell. Got a donkey pinata hanging from the clothesline. And my jackass brother, he's swinging for its inside. I've never been to Tijuana, but I'm wearing a sombrero that says I have. And Sharon makes a mean all right welcome back to the show that voice you're hearing that music provided by our in-studio guest host today eli alger eli uh a pinata hanging from the clothesline in the backyard oh yeah man i can't wait to do the music video for that song and wearing a uh sombrero that says you've been where to T- I've never been to Tijuana, but I'm wearing a sombrero that says I have. I have been to Tijuana, and let me tell you, I haven't. What, the only people wearing sombreros, sombreros are big bearded white guys. Yeah, yeah, and it's Probably. not a pretty look. It's not, but I got to believe you could pull it off. Anyway, congratulations. <laughs> it's not that much different from a cowboy hat, is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It really I'm is. a lot bigger, <laughs> I suppose. Especially if you get one that's well starched. Yep. It hurts to wear them. It's like Charlie uh, Charlie huh. Daniels threw me his hat. Okay, yeah. and I put it on my head, realizing at that point, even at that age of seven, probably sixteen years old, uh, Charlie's hat was too small for me. Okay, yeah. even at that age, Charlie's head was very small, but it was a beautiful hat. I didn't want to give it back. As a matter of fact, I didn't give it back. Chocolate Did he bread. ask for it back? No, no, he just wanted me to get the hell out of his way. <laughs> I saw Justin Moore in concert, and he dropped his hat, and he was like. You give me that damn hat back. <laughs> right there on stage over the loudspeaker. That was at the Iowa State Fair. That was the coolest thing. 
I have had so many, you know, that's the thing about country music, I think, okay? And I'll ask you your thoughts as well. But, um, you know, on this show, we don't play enough country music. We should play more. Uh, but um, Agreed. I, I, I like the fact that country music stars really are just people with a lot of eyes on them, and they're just good, uh, traditional good folks. The best uh, guy down in Nashville, songwriter named Lance Carpenter, said they're just great people with really cool jobs. I'm going to ask Kira Jones to uh, type into your Google machine, right? And I would like you to type in the uh, version of um, the auctioneer song by Leroy Van Dyke. Oh, man, it's been a while since I've Leroy heard that has one. just turned thir- uh, 90, okay? Years old. Yep. And mm. his wife, Gladys, and I are very close. Uh, they're down in Sedalia, Missouri. Mm. Have you ever seen how you spell Missouri? It's Missouri. <laughs> it's, it's incorrect, but that's country. You as, know what I'm saying? As somebody who grew up in rural Missouri can can confirm it it's it's Missouri. Missouri. It's Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. And and Sedalia, Missouri. They get their own draw down there, you they, know what I mean? They really do. When he left Nashville, he had seventeen tractor trailers full of stuff. Seventeen. That's a career. You know, his T V shows, his radio shows, his fair appearances, concert appearances. You gotta remember it all. Oh my gosh. And he's never drank. He's never uh, uh, swore or hung out with those that do. I don't know how somebody pulls off the never swearing thing. Like, how do you he, stub oh, your toe? If I see him, right? <laughs> Did you hear my story? No, you didn't. But um, I think I'm going to hear it a little no, bit. Not, not right now. Not on this show. <laughs> but um, when he uh, puts pen to paper and writes out a song, matter of fact, the auctioneer song was actually written on a on a uh, cot in a pup tent in Korea. Wow. And he wrote it as a tribute to his uncle and he sent his uncle that the lyric sheet and years later his uncle said you should record this Leroy and Leroy go, I don't know, you know, I don't know, but he did and it was a huge hit. Do well, we have that the, yet? They say the best songs uh start either on bar napkins or the backs of hands. Well, in Write Nashville, are you finding that true in Nashville as well? Yeah, um, it's definitely, you know, they they have a lot of different things in Nashville that are kind of catalysts to begin the writing process. A lot of people write together. There's writers rounds where songwriters get up on stage and other songwriters go to listen to them. And let's listen to the song. There was a boy in Arkansas who would listen to his mom and she told him he should go to school. Man, he had to be yeah. drinking something He'd to write this one down. In the afternoon, take a little walk, then pretty I don't buy it. You'd find him at the local auction bar. Well, the story is that Marilyn Monroe was sitting with him on that cot as he wrote the song. Wow. <clears throat> now, I've known Leroy a long time, and Gladys tells me Leroy never lies about anything, mm. and he don't hang out with those that do, okay? But that song, plus Down on the Corner, uh, was the number one hit for him. These are legendary songwriters and performers. And that's what country music is. The ability to rise up through the ranks and and the greatest uh, of all dreams, I would imagine, for you and many like you, Eli, is to perform on the stage at the Grand Old Opry. That or for the Grand Old Opry. At probably the, Ryman, the right? biggest. The Grand Old Opry and the Ryman, probably. But I th- for me, I think the Grand Old Opry would be the biggest honor. Um, what radio station is the Opry on? Is it WSM or? 
Man, I'm trying to remember you. because you I think see it. I think you're right. Yeah, I think WSM. it is WSM. But um, so many have done that route and gone that way. Now Nashville has become a haven, if you will, for people escaping other states like California. They're moving to Nashville. Yeah, it's an explosion. It's blowing up, it's, blowing up down it's there. Huge. They Fox and Friends just were down there for uh, Fox uh, News, just uh, down there for a week. And uh, my goodness sakes, the people poured out to watch this news program and news programming live in person. And I just thought, my goodness sakes, Nashville sounds like a pretty cool place to live. When was your first trip to Nashville? Um, actually, my first trip to Nashville, I think I was 17. Me and a group of buddies, uh, we're all foodies. We went down there for that Prince's Hot Chicken. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Totally worth the trip. How about um, barbecue in Nashville? Barbecue, uh, if you know where to go, it's pretty decent. Nashville's got a lot of great restaurants. Yeah. Really good stuff. Um, great bar food. And just, you know, there's a lot of like executive chefs that are just doing it right down there. I love that. Yeah. It just tells you the breadth of uh, the impact country music has had on the food industry, mm-hmm. on entertainment For industry, sure. radio, television, uh, the internet now, of course. Uh, you know, we can sit at home and go to the YouTube channel on our television and watch country music stars over the years. And guys like George Jones, you know, not everybody wanted to work with George. Conway had, and Conway did. And Conway would go out and play his opening set or the opening set for the duo, right? Yeah. And George would decide not to go out on stage. So Conway... Well, there was no show Jones. That's where the... Randy Travis, that's kind of how Randy Travis came to be as big as he was. He He was opening for George, and George would, you know... Wander up in the dressing room. Yeah, or he'd wander <laughs> off down to the nearest bar. Everybody's at his concert, and he's there sitting with the bartender, drunk off his stool. And Randy Travis would get up there. My dad said he went to a uh, uh, our George Jones concert, and Randy Travis came up and goes, "Well, no show is no show. I'm going to sing this show for you." And and Randy Travis did all of George Jones's songs. Oh wow, that's an that'd be huge. I mean, like George Jones was, I mean, relatively like as big as like how big Garth was. I mean, to as big as he could be at the time, you know, hundreds of hits. Yeah. Uh, He had over 2000 recorded songs, man. What a body of work, (sighs) you know, who else in the country music world, uh, either they have passed or they're still around, Mm. uh, affected your career choice of wanting to get into the exceedingly competitive world of country music. Um, it started with Chris Young, his voice and his vocal control. I've actually um, gotten to hang out with him a few times. Really? Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, monstrous vocalist. One of the best there. I mean, I put him up there with Vern Gosden as far as just being fantastic. Gosden was quite... They called him the voice. Amazing. Uh, Chris Young, Garth, huge. Um, the newer guys, Luke Combs and Cody Johnson. I think Cody Johnson... Uh, out of Texas, he's got that cult following fan base, and he's doing it right independently. I guess he just su- partnered with Warner, but he uh, he's probably my biggest idol right now. Like, if you could told me I could open for one guy, it'd probably be Cody Johnson or Luke Combs. You know, you think about country music, and one thing that sets it aside from all other types of music, okay? Mm. And music is great, by the way. I don't care what you're listening to. Yeah. I can get into most of it. Having been a DJ. There's a deep emotional connection. Yeah. It, it's the ability to tell the story. And you and I were talking about a George Jones song that said, I'll love you till I die. 
And she, she stopped loving her today. And that's he it. He said, I love you. <laughs> she told him, you'll forget in time. Mm. As the years went slowly by, she still preyed upon his mind. Kept her picture on his wall. And they're not yeah. all sad. Some are very um, inspirational. Mm -hmm. Some are upbeat. Uh, Lee Greenwood has enjoyed so much success. I remember introducing him at the Unidome in Cedar Falls. And uh, I got to play basketball with him. He's really, he and his you're band good, are very you're good. You're a basketball player. <laughs> no one ever, ever would think, hey, Casper, come on in. You're subbing for Jordan. Wow. <laughs> no, no, it was just a, a opportunity that presented itself. As I'm going to go shoot some He's hoops go Lee do Greenwood, it. right? It's going to suck. But we're going to play horse or something like that. <laughs> Way beyond the horse. <laughs> but um, I found uh, Barbara Mandrell, uh, uh, so, so many of the female artists, Dottie, mm. uh, Donna, and, and, and so many of them have, have had great careers. Chris Christopherson comes to mind. I would not think that Chris is the age he's at because I still think of him as the star of a star is born with Barbara Streisand. Like him and, um, who was it? Uh, him and John Prine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. You think about that though. The, the, Music industry is shaped by that which we are comfortable listening to. That makes sense. I, yeah, I that's guess I why your music is so relatable to the listeners out there. What's your response? What kind of response do you get um, when at a bar uh, you'll pick up somebody else and cover somebody else's song? What's the response like? Well, um, you know, you have to play to the crowd uh, and and figure out what you know. You got to be a chameleon. You know, mm -hmm. when I'm playing the college bars, like when we were uh, at Outlaws and Ames, you know, I'm doing that upbeat, uh, heavy stuff. You have to play the covers to earn the respect from the people watching before you can play your originals. That makes sense. You know, um, some guys are capable of getting up there and just doing a ton of originals, and it depends. Again, it depends on the venue. People, um, when you're at a place that people are going there to listen to music specifically, you can usually get away with um, playing original stuff more, especially if they're buying tickets or something like right. that, um, comparatively to like, you know, you're playing a big honky-tonk, you gotta play those dancing songs they know, you gotta play the songs sure. they wanna sing along to, your American Pie and Sweet Caroline need to come out, sure. stuff like that. And, and those are standards, I think, at sporting events or in bars mm -hmm. like that, people wanna sing along, they wanna be comfortable with the tune they're hearing. The goal is to write songs that live up to those expectations. So in other words, are repeatable. Yeah. Okay, so it's easy to tell. If they understand the story, it's much easier for them to understand and remember the lyrics. True yes, or not? Yes, 100%. Uh, I was told one of my first nights in Nashville, I got to uh, talk with a huge number one hit songwriter who's written like 12 number ones for George Strait. His name is Ash Underwood. He told me the three biggest things in songwriting are passion, um, uh, he said the cream will rise to the top. Keep at it. And, um, he's like, if you got it, it's going to happen. And, and you do, you absolutely do. <laughs> Thank you. You know, you're not, you're not in your dad's shadow as a, a, a silver medalist, Royce Alger. Oh, man, and you I are, hope he's not listening. No, he, <laughs> yeah, I guarantee he's get, not. <laughs> no, he's probably in bed right now. He came to the show last night, but Did the he? biggest one he said was melody, 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 melody. He goes, you can have the greatest lyrics in the world, but if they don't make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, they're not going to do anything. Country music has changed from these sequined uh, coats and jackets. You know, I, I, I was watching a, uh, a 
I think Golden Pawn Stars out in Vegas mm. had somebody bring in a uh, coat that was custom made for uh, one of the members of the band ZZ Top. Yeah. And there's a company in Los Angeles that makes these coats per order, to order, and they're five, ten thousand bucks a piece. Yeah. Okay. But that's what the guys uh, uh, of ZZ Top would wear. It's identifiability. Oh, you know? big time. So when people see them, um, that that correlates to music. You could see guys that uh, it was dusty, I think. Yeah, yeah. When you um, see guys, uh, you could take any country artist, and if they have that look mm-hmm. about them, mm-hmm. you, you find that there's a correlation between that and their music. Where you know, like one of their songs can hit, and right off the first second, you know what the song is. There's just an identifiability of how hook. they write. Yes, it's all part of the act mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's all part of the you know the professionally made music and and i think country is probably even more relatable because of people like reba mcintyre mm. i remember um at the radio station i was at at the time it was kjjy country music and we were going to do a show with her at the iowa state fair okay and we decided to have a contest and the contest would be to win a ring that we had specifically designed in diamonds and, 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 uh, precious gems. Uh, but it, it spelled out Reba. Wow. Now we gave it to Reba to present to the winner on stage. Reba was like, do I have to give this away? It's absolutely beautiful. And it is, it's stunning. Uh, but, uh, we, I, I said, of course we have to give it away. <laughs> she wanted to keep it. <laughs> she wanted to keep it. And I don't blame her. I mean, it was beautiful, but, uh, she was so relatable to the audience. I, I remember opening. You don't get Entertainer of the Year by not being no, relatable to the audience. No, yeah. um, I'm trying to remember um, uh, uh, a mother daughter uh, song. Uh, no, mother daughter uh, act. Um, oh, the, goodness sakes! I can't think of the them. daughters. Yeah, turned, if you wouldn't ask me, I would have known. Yeah, you know, the daughters turned out to be a bigger girl. Mm. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's when I first met Randy Travis. He was opening for them. Uh, actually he was the star they were opening for him, but their bus never showed up at the fairgrounds until it was time to introduce the opening act. And we were 15, 20 minutes late as it was. So they didn't even do a sound check. They just rolled. They didn't even do that. We put Randy Travis out there to open up for his openers. Think about that. That's how likable and friendly he was. But when they got there, I got to zip up their dresses in the bus because that's how far behind they were. They had been playing at the Reagan ranch in in California and uh, why can't I think of the name for Is it the Judds? No. Judds, yes. That's it's it. exactly who it was. Grandpa. That's yeah. it. Anyway, uh, we're in studio with e- Eli Elger today talking a little bit about the passion that most of us have for country music, and I hope you do too. We're going to take a quick time out. PFL star Taylor Gardado is, is set to, uh, and I think she's going to be fighting for a million bucks. We'll get the, uh, 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 the, you know, the story behind that and how she made it to where she is within the PFL and within the world of mixed martial arts. Stay tuned. This is USA Takedown on ESPN. USA Takedown is brought to you by Barbarian Apparel and Kaldenberg's PBS Landscaping. Stay tuned. More USA Takedown after this short timeout. Counter line, the joint starts jumping every night when the sun goes. 
All right, welcome back to the show on ESPN Radio. It is USA Takedown. We talk wrestling, mixed martial arts, and apparently country music. Mm. Okay. Always got to talk country music. I love that voice we just heard. That was Ronnie Dunn. Yeah, little Ronnie Dunn. Brooks and Dunn, right? Brooks and Dunn. Mm-hmm. Well, that was Ronnie, but that, yeah. I understand. I, I get it. There's one guy who plays guitars in the background a little bit. And then there's Ronnie. <laughs> the be- Man, he's like... I don't know. He's like 65 or 70. He's still coming out with some of the most powerful yeah. songs. Like you can't even cover the guy. He's insane. And he colors his hair to maintain. You the learn something new every day. Sure. Right. <laughs> you understand the name when I say Ronda Rousey, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the greatest fighters on planet earth ever. Well, our next guest is right up there with Ronda Rousey. She fought Ronda Rousey and from the, uh, Las Vegas headquarters of Extreme Couture. She joins us now. This is Taylor Gardado. Taylor, good morning. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm grateful that you have taken the time to join us. This is really uh, a point in your career where every day must count in terms of training, uh, in terms of what you're competing for. Is your next fight, uh, does it include a million-dollar paycheck? It does, yeah. The winner uh, walks out with a million dollars in the belt. I was going to say, you got to win, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't, I'd just go up. <laughs> you know, throw the damn thing. You know, one of our Walk original away. sponsors of this program was Randy Couture. Team Quest, Randy Couture, uh, Matt Lindland, uh, and uh, Danny Henderson, okay? Mm. and oh, they, that's awesome. I think they sponsored us for like 11 or 12 years before Quest Team Quest broke up up in Oregon. Uh, and it, it's, it was going to happen because Randy's career obviously was going toward motion pictures and, uh, uh, what a job he's done in that with uh, the expendables Four coming out. Yeah. He's going to be shooting that here in the next couple months in, uh, and Randy's just a great guy. Oh my too. God. Yeah. Yeah. He and, and my dad for, used to train together a lot. Exactly. Yeah. That's what Randy said. He was he had great respect for your dad. Yeah. A lot of, uh, Randy's got a lot of Roy stories and Roy's got a lot of Randy stories. So, so my question for you, Taylor, working out there, you get to see guys like Jay Huron and, and, uh, so many others. It, it's got to be rather inspirational to be in there and be one of them. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's, I guess it's kind of weird now. Cause, uh, like I, I've always just been like a member of the team yeah. and now I get people coming up to me and they're like, no, you're like one of the top fighters here now. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I guess I was like, I just work the front desk sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I walked in, I was uh, quite a bit heavier back then. It's closer to 300 pounds. And, wow. uh, yeah, I know that's right? where I was like last April. You look good, son. I it's coming tell off <laughs> little by little. I need to get in the, the gym with Taylor. I'm sure she'll whip it right off. <laughs> oh, she'll whip you. Um, and that's the thing you've taken on all comers. That's where I was going with this. Taylor, uh, never been shy about accepting a fight. Um, this is something you work for. You have been largely regarded as being off the radar in terms of, uh, your name and recognizability. Um, what has pushed you to, uh, be the level best in the PFL and in mixed martial arts? Um, I, I really genuinely don't like to lose. Like, that, that really... That, that, that's, that's a great trait to have. <laughs> 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 um, when I was an amateur, um, I, I as soon as I started, like, you know, my winning streak, I was like, oh, I, I love winning, and I don't plan on losing. And then, obviously, I lost to Ronda, but I was like, I'm going to get that back. And then I did. And then um, when I started my pro career the same way, I, I was like, well, 
I'm not going to lose again. And so far, so good. <laughs> so has your training, went, uh, knowing who you're fighting well in advance of the actual date, okay, has your training changed? Uh, in other words, the process of becoming better to be prepared for the event, for the fight, for that fighter, your competition, and, and, and Couture and everybody else in the fight business, uh, George St. Pierre told me, he said, Scott, he said you, you in his broken French English accent, which is wonderful, by the way, <laughs> I love, I love him so much. I do. And we travel quite a bit together. I like this guy because he said, the thing is every fight you are put in, you have to train differently for each fight. Is that true for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, um, the, the cool thing about PFL is that it's a full season. So, you know, you're going to have so many fights each season. Um, well, you know, you're going to have two guaranteed fights each season. And then, you know, obviously you get more if you keep winning. And, um, for me, it's just that I've been in a fight camp essentially all year. So my cardio has never really faltered. It's just been making small adjustments for each opponent. And, um, going into this last one, obviously she's my toughest opponent to date, and um, she has a great skill set with her judo background. Um, so it was just adjusting for that, um, but also making sure I understand how to implement my own game plan. You know, you think about her background. She literally had to fight to get where she is today. Um, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Pedro brought her along quite well uh, in, at the uh, Pedro Judo uh, Judoko. And I think the world of what Jimmy's done, what his dad's done, uh, in terms of judo, but we saw her, uh, competing at the judo world team trials in Las Vegas was a combined effort for team USA wrestling team USA judo. And she just absolutely tore her opponents apart. Uh, (laughs) and I, and I'm grateful for that because that means she was preparing herself for something even better than just amateur judo or amateur wrestling. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, because quite frankly, you have a wonderful story as well. Yeah. Um, I, I was doing, uh, just boxing training as like a 13 year old, just kind of working out. Um, but never really jumped into mixed martial arts until I turned 18. Um, and I kind of just exactly did exactly that and jumped into it. Um, I started training twice a day, took my first amateur fight, um, after only two months of training and then um, it was like history from there. But then I <laughs> actually ended up taking uh, about nine years off after my last amateur fight because I had torn basically everything you could tear in one of my knees. And then um, after that, we, me and my husband, he, he and I traveled, and then I got pregnant as well with my son. That happened. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> but after, after the pregnancy and... Um, a little bit of like postpartum depression and all this stuff. I realized that I still wanted to fight and I, I think I would still be good at it. So here I am. And Kayla is your opponent, right? So she is he, gunning for that million dollar check as well. Um, so preparing for her, as I said, uh, every fighter prepares differently for every fight that they have coming up. Has your uh, training, uh, been adjusted for Kayla Harrison, knowing her strengths? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, one of, one of my coaches is actually really, really good at judo and he's not like super bigger than me. He's a little bit bigger than me, a little bit heavier, but, um, he's really, really good at judo and he's actually been my main training partner this entire camp. Um, so we're working a lot of tendencies that she tends to do in each of her fights. Um, we're working defense and offense based off of that stuff. But, 
honestly, when it comes down to it, it it's a fight, and it's going to be who's the better fighter that night. You know, I've done this show from Extreme Couture, so I understand the layout. Um, which room at Extreme Couture do you enjoy spending the most time in? Um, so they, they, the, the back room, I guess, like where we do all our sparring near the, um, cages and stuff right. like that. I, I like to sit back there cause my locker's back there and there's chairs that you can kind of hide in a corner in as well. <laughs> we did a catch wrestling event there that was broadcast and it was uh, so much fun, but I had so many experts to draw from to be co-host or sit in on the broadcast and, um, you know, if you think about it, there's a lot of gyms in Las Vegas, former fighters, uh, active fighters. Everybody wants to own a gym. Mm -hmm. Most people don't understand how expensive it is. How does that set with, uh, you've worked the front desk there and you've been a star in the gym as well. Do people pretty much let you alone understanding that you're there to do a job? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Um, I think that's the cool thing about growing up and, uh, as far as my career goes in the gym as well, too, is that I've already known a lot of people in the gym. Right. Um, so they all know what I'm there to do and, and, you know, I'll cover classes here and there as well. Um, but I mean, like for the most part, I'm, I'm there to just train and get better. And, and, but when I'm not training, I'm a big goofball and I like to like <laughs> talk to everyone and joke with everyone. So, I mean, like, I, I think I'm approachable, but I mean, like at the same time, if I'm training, no, everyone knows not to really bother me. The heavy ropes, you know, when I first saw, uh, I think it was probably Ryan Couture was working those heavy ropes. Do you, do you employ that in your training? Yeah, my wrestling coach, um, well, one of my coaches, Nate Pettit, he, uh, he's a big, uh, old school kind of mm -hmm. wrestling guy. So he, he, he's a big, he, he likes to make us go do any type of grip strength training right at the end of wrestling. So we, he likes to make us climb the ropes. <laughs> Dude, does he make you do the tipping the tire, the old, uh, tractor tires and what, chopping wood, chopping wood. <laughs> climbing, um, climbing I, <laughs> I don't do the, like the tipping of the tire one, but I do, uh, use the, the, the hammer on the, on the tire. <laughs> mm. well, I tell you what, you know, in working with the PFL over the last couple of months, uh, and my goal is to have a PFL competitor on every single week during the season, because mm -hmm. the stories that are being told is it's not like the UFC is the only place to be anymore. Okay. Yeah. And it's actually a, a better opportunity to make a living and make a name for yourself elsewhere because the UFC, if they want to, they'll bury you and yeah. you're under contract. You can't do a damn thing about it. Yeah. And, and I really, you know, Danny sounds like used, the record labels, right? Danny used to be a, 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 a regular on the show, especially when we were on at night, he would call up and say, Hey, we've got a pay-per-view. I can't lose any more money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you have somebody, I said, do you have somebody you want to put on the show? And at the time, I think he was managing the careers of Couture, Ortiz, and Liddell. And I think there's maybe Dan Henderson. But, um, man, I tell you what, what a great start for us on the show some 28 years ago. Uh, but to yeah. have Dana White, because he truly believed that the mixed martial arts business, the industry, could be so much bigger than even John McCain would want. You know, John McCain considered mixed martial arts as uh, like dogfighting. Okay. Mm. It's just, it's so much more than that. There is an artistry to the sport and it's guys and gals like you, Taylor, that understand it. I mean, your performance, I've watched some video on you and you are an absolutely terrific fighter. Uh, and Thank you, you. you said earlier that you don't like to lose. You like to win. Uh, can you describe the difference between losing and winning 
in your mind's eye at the end of a fight? Yeah, I mean, um, winning, it, it's just, either way, when you fight, you get those endorphins, right? You get those workout endorphins, those, right. those, those endorphins that leave you feeling good at the end of it. But um, winning, obviously, it's just a different high. You're, you're just, I don't know how to even describe it. It's the difference it. like, between <laughs> getting a standing ovation and getting booed off the stage. Well, um, in your case, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like, uh, you get used to it, really. Like, I, I tend to not hear too much of the crowd um, at the time of the fight until, like, afterwards when I'm walking through and, like, going to, you know, get checked out by medicals and stuff like that. Right. But um, I try not to pay attention too much to the crowd during or after the fight. Um, I, I, I really only hear my corner. But, I mean, like, endorphins are high when I win, um, a little bit lower when I lose. <laughs> So, do you remember the movie um, Blazing Saddles? Oh, yes. Okay. okay. I could quote the whole thing. Exactly. A great movie. There is a scene when, uh, uh, I can't remember who the female star was, but she's on stage singing and, and in this bar, and uh, several of the cowboys, one of them in particular, has his feet up on the stage, reclining in his chair. Oh, yeah. And she says, are you, uh, are you in show business? He says, he says, no, she said, they get your damn feet off my stage. <laughs> that happened to me at, at Kim Couture's fight. I was announcing at the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas and sitting, I was sitting between, uh, Randy. Okay. And, uh, uh, Ty, uh Mike Tyson mm. and Mike mm -hmm. Tyson had a foot in a boot and he had his foot up on the stairs leading up into the ring. And I said, uh, hey, I said, dude, I said, are you in show business? He said, no. I said, then get your damn foot up my stage. And Couture is <laughs> laughing. He's rolling. He's, he said, I wonder what Mike said to that. He said, he put his foot down. He really did. I said, no, Iron Mike. I said, I'm just kidding. You can put your foot up there. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, did, I acted like I did not recognize him. And, and I think that's part of uh, our sport. I really do. Mixed martial arts, wrestling, boxing, et cetera, is being that humble person. Do you find being humble easier because of who you are and because of what you do, or is that a challenge? No, it's super easy. I, I don't think um, I don't think I've ever been a really cocky person ever. Um, I think being humble has been ingrained into my like into my being from when I was little, and I was like competing in track and field when I was young. Um, it was just always my mom and dad always were like, "You have to be humble all the time." Like, even when you win, remain humble, remain humble. There's always someone that can beat you. Like, it was always mm. it was always that ingrained into my system. Big John McCarthy um, has told me on many occasions how important it was for him to be good within the Gracie system. As a matter of fact, that's how he became an official. He, be, he was uh, getting ready to fight one of the Gracies for a $20,000 payday. Well, the Gracies mm. didn't have the money, so they had to make sure that that fight was won by a Gracie so they didn't have to pay it out. And they said, John, we're going to make you the referee. Well, John was not a referee or an official at the time. But John always said that to be the level best, you have to study it, you have to perform it, you have to practice it each and every day. And that's one of the reasons why he is the most respected official in mixed martial arts. John McCarthy, quite frankly, is the reason we have the, the term mixed martial arts, MMA. You know, it wasn't the UFC that invented it. It was John McCarthy. Mm. and mm -hmm. uh, second generation cop in the LAPD, uh, great husband, now living in Nashville. Yeah? Yeah. So think He's about that. He's got something going right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Taylor, I'm, 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 uh, I'm thinking I'm going to have to throw down a bet on you. 
Don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Last time uh, I threw down a bet on an MMA contest. I'll throw down with you. We'll what? sweat it together. Nice. We'll head down to the prairie nice. right after this. Get it done. Well, let's go to my <laughs> casino, Wild Rose Casino. I'll be performing there on the 30th, announcing a fight. Where's that one at? That's out in Jefferson. I've got, right. got a boxing, kickboxing event. So boxing, kickboxing, a hybrid. And then I've got a MMA event the following month in November 24th or 25th at the Bel Air Ballroom. Thanksgiving throwdown. Don't you know? That's what you want to do on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. You want to have a fight. <laughs> Taylor, my best to you, kid. I know I know quite a bit about you. I'm super proud of uh, the fighter that you've become. I, I only can hope the very best for you as you uh, prepare to beat up uh, your opponent. And that, of course, uh, can only happen because you are prepared. You're doing so the right way. I, w- I want to thank... Um, uh, Tani, Tani Cox at the PFL for helping to make this uh, interview possible. She's, uh, we have such great conversations. I hope you do with her as well. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, everyone at PFL has been just so nice and so respectful and, and, <laughs> so different. and yeah, like it's, they're just the best. Honestly, I can't, I can't say enough good things about them. Have a great rest of your day. If you see Gray Maynard out there, uh, in Las Vegas, tell him I said hi, will you? I will. Thank you guys for having me on. There we go. She's a superstar in the PFL. That's Taylor Gardado. Uh, we'll take a quick time out on the live line. We'll be back with Catherine Grace Bertrand, who's wrestling for Presbyterian PC, uh, the home of the mighty Blue Hose wrestling programs, men and women. We'll be back after this. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Casper will be right back with more USA Takedown. Are they, they are the outlaws. All right, welcome back to the show. Eli Alger, country music star, in studio today. Second time. Hey. We must have treated him right the first time, Kira, because he has elected to come back and take up the invitation to promote his career. Always on this love coming program. here. Yeah, yeah we're... You got good we, coffee. We got lucky this time. <laughs> we did. This has been a very good show. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. I want to thank our, uh, our last guest as well. Taylor Garado, uh, who's uh, fighting out of the Extreme Couture Gym in Las Vegas. She's uh, going to be fighting for $1 million against a well-practiced judo star. I would also like to get paid $1 million for somebody okay. to come right. beat me up. I'll bring it up to the station manager. Well, you got to win. We, yeah, maybe, maybe oh, we can make that well, happen. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> This portion of the show brought to you by our friends at Mullet's Restaurant on Des Moines Southside, right by the ballpark, the Chow Hall for wrestlers and fans, and by our friends at Here.com. Great hearing aids, great prices, and incredible customer service. They got Here. great com. breakfast. Oh, at, at Here.com? Uh, at there, at, at Mullet's. Okay, just want to make sure. They, they love wrestlers down there. <laughs> There's a Dan Gable table at Mullet's Restaurant. You learn something new every day. Yeah, and Kevin Dresser loves the job. I haven't been there in years, man. I'm going to try it, it out. It hasn't changed. Food quality is excellent. Next up, Catherine Grace Bertrand. Now, Catherine, uh, if you see Mark Cody's, uh, he shared with me her contact information, and he don't know how to spell, number one. But once once you're in his phone, that's how he thinks your name is spelled. She joins us now, this Catherine Grace. Catherine, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Now, do we have her on speaker, or what do we have? Do we have speaker? No? Um, I've been to the air five. Can, can we... Are you... You say you are on speaker or not? Oh. 
We can hardly hear you, Catherine. Yeah, it's, it's almost uh, muffled. Um, uh, if we can take take us off speaker, that would be the best. But okay. uh, I, I want, yeah, I want people to hear your voice and hear your story for sure. Technical Hello? difficulties. Yes, that sounds much better. How are you? Did we lose her altogether? Dang. Catherine, are you uh, there? Yes, I'm here now. There you I go. There we you found you. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. How long have you been wrestling? Um, 10 years. Ten I started years. when I was in fourth grade. Flying in the face of your mother's opinion. She's the one that named you Catherine Grace. By the way, I love that. Um, how has she embraced you and your twin brother wrestling? And is she a typical wrestling mom or not? Um, my mom at first, she really did not like us wrestling because me and my twin brother, we were both really bad. So we would <laughs> lose all the time and she didn't like to watch us get beat up. She's like, oh no, I don't want to go to the wrestling. I don't like watching them get beat up. But when we started winning and started getting better, she's really into it. It's like her favorite thing to do is come watch us wrestle. She was more She liked watching my younger brother wrestle more because when he first started, he was a little bit better just because he didn't know what he was doing, but he was just really aggressive. But me and my twin brother, we were just, we were a disaster. Took you a while to catch now. on, huh? Yeah, she, she loves it now. She's like a pretty typical wrestling mom. Like she's very loud at the tournaments and she's really into it. In, in studio is Eli Alger, country music star. He is the son of an Olympic silver medalist in, in Royce Alger, and uh, he gets it. Do You didn't wrestle, did you? You played football, right? No, I was a wrestler. My little brother was a football player. I wrestled through high school. You did wrestle through mm -hmm. high school. Okay, so you understand what Catherine is going through now. I do. What she went through over these last 10 years. But you had somebody that was ultimately very supportive outside of your mom and dad, of course, but you had your brother. Um, and, and when you started 10 years ago, wrestling, women's wrestling in particular was in a much different place than it is today. Do you feel that? Oh, yes, sir. It was so different when I first started. When I first started, I would see maybe one girl at a, at a tournament. I would go to these open tournaments as a little kid and maybe I would see one other girl there, but now it's sanctioned in Georgia. That's the state I'm from. So it's grown so much and it's like, it's, it's gotten a lot of support over the years because when I was younger, it was just, it really wasn't super common, but I mean, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it if I'm being honest without the support of my family, mm -hmm. because I remember one time when I was younger, this was my third year of wrestling. I went 0 and 16. So I was, I was really bad. So <laughs> I tried to quit, but then my twin brother, David, he wrote me this nice note saying how good I was. <laughs> I wasn't good. But he's like, you got to keep going. Like, you're going to be great. And then I ended up not quitting. And I don't know, his support really helped me a lot and kept me going through the years. How many great people have had an amateur wrestling career that wasn't great? Okay. I'll name one that was on this very show, Donald Trump, 2016. <laughs> he said, granted, Scott, I was no Dan Gables. If you want to listen to this, type in your Google search machine. You type in Scott Casper interviews Donald Trump. I said, you can do a better impression than that. No, I, I literally, I, I tell you what, Scott, I was no I, Dan Gables. I was no Dan Gables. I, I was no Dan Gable. <laughs> but it was so much fun doing that conversation because he admitted that he was not a good wrestler and he gave it up because he knew he wasn't going to get any better. 
and perhaps he had a career in real estate. I don't know. But um, no, he decided to go make a couple billion instead. But instead, he chose Dan Gable to aspire to. In other words, he idolized Dan Gable, which is how the whole interview came about. Mm. He wanted to meet Gable. I wanted a quid pro quo. I had a feeling he was going to become president of the United States. This is right before the election. And uh, quite frankly, he did become president of the United States. And that interview lives out there in, in the hinterlands of, of the uh, Out in internet. the ether. Yeah, yeah, out in the ether. And Catherine Grace, there are so many women now that are household names in the sport of wrestling and in the, in the mixed martial arts. And I got to believe, uh, you know, making the decision go to go to Presbyterian was a big one because Presbyterian under Mark Cody's watch has become the first men's and women's combined program in the United States, the first women's program for sure. But recently it was the University of Iowa, the home of Dan Gable, right? Uh, that announced that they were going to be the first Power 5 school to add a women's program. This is big news for you and the sport, right? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, I was not, honestly, I was not expecting Iowa to come out with the women's program so soon because there's, like, talk about it and stuff. But honestly, um, I don't know. I just didn't really believe that it was going to happen because I've been hearing about it for years. Right. But their community program, I guess, wasn't going the best, so I thought it was going to really delay when it started. Right. I think it's really big that Coach Cody started a program. I mean, he's like one of the greatest coaches in the country. He is. And I'm so glad that he started a women's program because he's the whole reason I decided to come to PC. I could be coached by the great Mark Cody. Isn't that great? I mean, that's I'm so glad to have you say that and hear you say that because he is one of my dearest friends. Uh, he and his entire family. This is somebody that actually gets it. Uh, I remember he he let three guys on his team at American go because they broke protocol. He they broke the rules at American University. He got rid of them. They left school. One of them sued in court. Okay, mm. attempted to sue in court. That, that was go? thrown out. Did not go well for the uh, former wrestler. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, and and I actually wrote a letter uh, on behalf of Mark to go to uh, the courts. And uh, I think, I'm, I'm not going to say my letter was a turning point for him, but it really caused the judge to stop, take a look, and take a listen to not those that were proclaiming that they were, you know, uh, at they, they were pointing fingers in the wrong direction when, in fact, they should have been looking in a mirror and pointing their finger at themselves, okay? Yeah. You can't go on a college campus and sell marijuana, okay? and be not guilty. You're guilty, dude. And you know what? It's not your head coach's fault. And it's not Mark Cody will hold you to a, uh, you know, a level that perhaps we're not always comfortable with, but that's his job, you know, asking you to do your level best, you know, and, and he did that at Oklahoma. He did it in Nebraska. He did it in American. Uh, he's done that his entire life ever since he left upstate New York. Mark Cody is perhaps the greatest talent we have as the head coach of a women's program and a men's program in the country. And you're so right, Catherine, that that you you hung your hat on on that rising star that continues to be Mark and and consequently his entire family. And now Presbyterian is the home and he is loving it there. Presbyterian. What's that experience like for you? It's been great so far. Coach Cody has been such like a supportive coach, mm -hmm. and I just really like the way he, the, like his coaching style. Like he wants us uh, to stick to the basics, 
And we really only work on things until we get it and then we'll move on to the next, like, move or whatever we're trying to fix. I don't know. I just really like it because he keeps things simple, but he also picks moves that will, like, absolutely work. I don't know. He's just one of the best coaches, I think, because he doesn't throw a bunch of things at you and it's hard to understand. And he just really connects with connects with his wrestlers because I feel like I have a very personal relationship with Coach Cody versus right. in the past. Sometimes I feel like I'm just a number on a team instead of, like, I matter and he's paid. Like, he actually pays attention to everyone and tries to get to know everyone and makes everyone feel important, which I think is really great for building a team because you want to have a good relationship with your coach. Amen. So. Amen. And, and you know, the guys that Mark has worked for and the guys that have worked for Mark all hold him in high esteem, and I understand why you would as well. Uh, we're talking with Catherine Grace Bertrand, and uh, her mother named her Catherine Grace intending that the first name and the middle name would go together. Okay. And I think that's lovable. I really do. But it tells me an awful lot about you as a person. You have lived up to the name and doing so at Presbyterian. Talk to me about the campus itself. Having been there, I get it, but tell our listeners what it's like for you. That campus is gorgeous. The campus is so beautiful. At first I wanted like the campus to be really big, but it's really not it's not huge. It's a small campus, but I really like it because everything was is within a good walking distance. Mm-hmm. And I love um, just the architecture of all the buildings. It's very, like, colonial style, and yeah. everything's really well kept up. So the grass is always looking nice, and the sidewalks always look nice and clean. I don't know. I just really think it's beautiful. And they add things onto it and update it. Like Neville, um, it used to be a much smaller building, but then they expanded it and, like, modernized it. So they keep things updated and just clean and I don't know I like the small campus vibe because you don't have to walk really far like if you went to Clemson or something my friend goes there and it takes like she has to drive to almost all of her classes which I think is kind of inconvenient I just like walking outside (laughs) it's not the driving it's the parking yeah oh yeah paying for it I got three tickets in one visit to uh uh NC State North. How'd you like to be the guy handing out those tickets? <laughs> well, he's an asshole. Well, I'm the, sorry. As, can you beep that? I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. Sure he's your just friend. doing his it's, job. I'm so sorry. That, um, but yeah, that I, word I, is strangely radio safe. It, really? It's it's okay. Okay. Well, I, I promise I'm going to start using it, it more again. then. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I even took I took the tickets to the office of the uh, athletic director. Okay. At NC State, I said, can you do anything about this? Well, if you ever ran into one of those guys when they're actually giving you a ticket, sure. they're, and they're just the meanest sumbitches. Well, you know, I, there, there's a couple here in Des Moines that are actually quite nice. I wave at them all the time. <laughs> While they're just making people's days worth yeah, 15 you, bucks at a time. Yeah, they are. Catherine, what's your um, major? What's your study? Um, currently, I'm majoring in biology. What, what do you want to do with a degree in biology? Um, I'm thinking of a few things. Right now I'm thinking of being a nurse, like more specifically a travel nurse, Ooh. or being a physician's assistant. Um, and then I was also thinking of being like a physical therapist. I'm not really sure yet, so I'm just majoring in biology, and then I'll figure the rest out. Now my daughter-in-law is a, a PA. Mm. Oh, really? Oh, you bet. Nurse practitioner. And, uh, you know, when, when I found out what a nurse practitioner was, uh, and, and what they can do. It's quite amazing. It's, it's just like a doctor it truly is. 
and uh, I have so much respect for her. My ex-wife and my wife both were nurses, okay? My sister-in-law, ex-sister-in-law, is a nephrologist, her husband a cardiologist. I've been surrounded by medical greatness uh, for most of my adult life. I have so much respect for folks that can get in there and actually provide empathy uh, and, 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 t- and, and help people through their troubles in life, physical, uh, mental, or otherwise. And, uh, Catherine, I think that's admirable of you and, and to understand biology is a big deal for me because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, what year are you? Uh, I'm a freshman. Well, don't she's, be surprised if you want to change your degree. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> I changed it four times. How'd that work out for you? Well, I had to get a, uh, a finance degree to realize that I wanted to chase country music. So, okay, sure. So it went from, you know, um, man, what was it? The, I can't remember the first one I wanted to do, but then it went to marketing and then it went to finance. I but, went broadcasting, got into my first radio station outside of Minneapolis, uh, down to Creston, Iowa, realized after 10 months of powering through thousand bucks a month, I powered through that back in 1978. So you think about this. I went from broadcasting back to school at the University of Iowa and, and uh, uh, did not, for three years, did not know what my major was. Mm. Transferred to Drake, the guy says, my, my advisor, Henry, said, uh, you're, you're here to, to become a PR practitioner. I said, what, what exactly is that? He said, everything you've been studying. So it's PR, marketing, advertising, uh, and then, of course, the broadcast degree. But it's all worked together, thankfully. It's all worked together well, and it has not included a whole ton of uh, math. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Catherine, just just know that you know you might be starting out as a biology major, <laughs> but you could easily end up in marketing or economics, or yeah. you know, just go with whatever your heart feels. All right, <laughs> Catherine Grace, it's good to talk to you. I, my intent is to have your brother on the show at some point. I've seen pictures of that brother of yours, that twin brother. Uh, he looks like a stud. He is a stud. He's a three-time state champion. Unbelievable. So he's pretty good. I announced the Georgia State Championships a uh, couple couple years, different years, and I think it was at the Georgia Dome, if that That's makes it. sense. I think they tore that building down the last time I was there. But anyway, yeah. it's great talking with you, kiddo. Mark uh, uh, Cody has said it right, describing you as being bubbly, energetic, and just a fun conversation. You've been just that today. Thank you. Oh. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Work doubly hard in practice today, okay? I will. Thank you, guys. Catherine Grace Bertrand, our guest, Presbyterian College freshman. But you know what? I think the future looks awfully bright for her. Thank you. All right. And and Eli, the future looks doubly bright for you. You were performing at what, Miss Kitty's last night until midnight? Yeah, it was a great show. Was it a good show? Was How was the audience? Audience, you know, it was a Thursday night, so Are they coming it, back. It's starting to come back. COVID's weird. It depends on where you're at. I mean, it is it is uh, county to county, block to block. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're welcome in the studio anytime you want to come. Yeah. Here, it's always good to hear your music. It's always good to see you. Uh, by the way, next week the guests on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline include Diego Zinega. He'll be fighting on that card on the 30th and in, in um, at Wild Rose Casino in Jefferson. We'll have Joel Greenley on. We'll also talk with uh, the newly minted bronze medalist Jaden Cox and the head coach of Nebraska. He coached Jordan Burroughs all these many years, and the last touch was at the uh, Oslo World Championships. Mark Manning will be joining us. Thanks for listening to Kira Jones, Scott Casper, and Eli 
Alger on USA Takedown on 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN, Des Moines Sports Leader.